The Money Show. Personal Finance. Gugu Sidaki in for us this evening. Gugu is a recovering stockbroker. Uh, she is a wealth manager. Um, she runs her own business, but the thing that she is doing remarkable things in is in childhood financial literacy. And she's written a series of three books. And I'm curious, Gugu, just before we go into the books and how you teach kids about money and we take some calls, we get some input from our listeners this evening, and we may get a couple of WhatsApps. But I, I'm curious as to your background. I mean, you've been in the financial services industry to a greater or lesser extent for a dozen years, possibly more. Yes, that's correct. Hi, Bruce. How are you doing? Yeah, we're marvellous. We're always marvellous. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to yes. me about the background. Where did, where did you start out? How did you get into this industry? Mm, I studied economics. I had visions of being a policymaker. Um, and then I watched um, the, I think it's called the Boiler Room, that movie. Um, yeah. It's about these <laughs> these rogue stockbrokers that made stockbroking look so sexy. And I promise you, I, I knew from <gasps> then that, that that was my destiny. And from that point, well, I finished the economics degree. And from that point onwards, I I, I chased the, the stockbroking dream until I attained it. And I did it for a couple of years. I, I worked at Barnard Jacobs Millet at the time oh, as a stockbroker. Okay. I did. I did. And I loved it. Um, really, really great team of people there. And, you know, there was a visionary there. My boss at the time who was in, who was the head of wealth management in Johannesburg. Um, she came over to my desk after like a couple of years, tapped me on the shoulder and she said, we need to talk. <laughs> and um, yeah, she told me a bit about wealth management and how she thought I'd be great at it. And the rest is history. Okay, so you've done wealth management and stuff. We got out of that though, and uh, what is your current business? Three, my three piggies. Um, is that the business, or is that simply the 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 literacy course that you uh, that you've created? So my three piggies is a is a passion project. It's something that I created um, a couple of years ago, while actually um, just soon after we'd founded the actual wealth management and financial planning practice called Wealth Creed, and it came about because we. You know, we we realized at, at the beginning, at the start of our business, that a big part of what we're going to have to do is to teach financial literacy to adults. And through those interactions with adults, we we got to know quite a bit about what their needs are, what their insecurities are, and 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 what their pressure points are. And and one of those was was teaching the, this information, giving this information to to their children. So we are the, the bulk of our client base is is female, and a lot of them are mothers. And they are the, that's where the request come from, and that's how my three piggies. Um, came to be it, it came from a request largely from from the adults that we assist um, to manage their funds at wealth creed and it's interesting because i mean and so many adults are feel inadequate about their own personal finances they feel inadequate mm-hmm. about their own understanding and they're terrified mm-hmm. to impart any kind of knowledge to kids so kids end up losing out because their parents mm-hmm. are too scared to talk to them in case they make a mistake yeah. in case they get something yeah. wrong um, and so yeah. talk to me about then my three piggies, please, because you've, you've released a series of books and they I've, I've seen illustrations and they're incredibly cute, but they're also very engaging and they're also very clear and in a very non-patronizing way, simple to understand. 
Thank you. Yeah, the books, you know, and what I say to people all the time is that um, the books are actually the process of personal financial planning for adults that, are, that have been distilled in, into a, a manageable bite-sized way for, for children to understand. So we start with the planning, the budgeting, um, where children get to understand that they, they can't spend everything that they have and that they need to plan actually and and, and, and start to think forward um, before they spend their money. And we they get to understand that money is earned. It doesn't just, you know, appear in the wallet or in the bag um they also get to understand that they they need to leave a little bit you know for future purposes um they, they get to learn that you can't necessarily afford everything you want whenever you want it sometimes you actually do need to put some money away over a, a, a bit of time for you to be able to afford future purchases they get to learn um about sharing and and the concept of philanthropy and why it's so important to be a, a great citizen in that way a, a citizen that contributes to the well-being of other people in a way that children understand and then eventually they get to learn that you don't have to come up with all the money that you that you have to to buy the bigger purchases you can actually invest your way to 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 some of the things that you want to achieve and that's in the final book so it's a, it's a series of three books um to, that takes them through the as i said the, the personal financial planning process uh, it's lovely gugu and um i i want to talk to you about the books and where we can get them and all of that sort of stuff just got a whatsapp this evening from hex who i think wants to add to the discussion hi bruce I would like to add to the discussion on teaching children financial management. My name is Hex Novoa, and together with my wife, Vicky, we did some research on the topic and have a few years experience, good and bad, on teaching our young children delayed gratification as a foundation for good financial habits in their future. When it comes to allowances, there are three key questions that must be addressed. Firstly, when do you start paying allowances? Well, when they want things that you don't want to buy them. That starts around the age of four to seven, but really the best time is now and it is never too late to start. Secondly, how much allowance must you pay? Not enough. They should need to save for four to eight weeks to get what they want. And here is the most important part. Let them spend their money. Let them feel the disappointment of not being able to achieve their financial goal now. Kids are smart. Very soon you will see them saving and then being proud and excited in achieving their financial goal. And then thirdly, what do you pay allowances for? Pay a base allowance not linked to chores and then help them identify problems that you face that they can solve for extra money. Teach your children delayed gratification and financial management first though. And once they get the hang of saving and managing their money, then you can start adding paid chores, long-term saving and giving. Hex is like vicious parent of the year, but I think I think exactly on the right track there, Gugu. I mean, it's a teaching Absolutely. delayed gratification. And this has been part of sort of personal financial thinking for a long time, since the 1950s, since those famous marshmallow experiments where kids were left mm. in a room unaware that mm. they were being watched and given a marshmallow saying, mm. if you don't eat that marshmallow, I'm going to come back in a bit. No mm. time mentioned. And if it's still mm. there and you haven't touched it, you can have two marshmallows. Some mm. kids could wait mm. for the marshmallows. Some kids mm -hmm. just like smashed the marshmallow into their faces. Some nibbled on the edges <laughs> and then smashed it into their faces. Uh, and then the researchers went decades later and tracked the financial success mm. of these kids who'd grown into adults. And those mm. that could avoid the marshmallow in the experimental room were generally mm. speaking financially better off because they understood mm -hmm. this concept of waiting until you can afford mm -hmm. 
to buy something. It's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is. I love that experiment and I do talk about it quite a bit. Um, but, you know, I think all is not lost. Um, those children who smash the marshmallow into their faces <laughs> can still be taught um, delayed gratification. Yeah. And, and and the power is actually in the parents' hands. And and so when I, whenever we do financial literacy sessions with, with, with children, the parents sometimes sit in and, and I always say to them that you you are the standard. You know, you, you actually set the pace for what it is that they learn, how they learn, what they consume. And, and it's in your hands. You have to say no occasionally to them. Um, you know, and, and it works with everything, not just financial wellness or financial well-being. It's it's the same with manners. It's the same with being a kind and, and, and generous person. It, it comes from the parent. You have to teach it. And eventually they get it. Children are smart. You know, you just keep at it. You you maintain a certain level of, of consistency and they will be fine. But you have to do it. Consistency is key because you can't have yeah. any double standards in these lessons yeah. because kids kids yeah. can spot yeah. a hypocrite from five hundred <laughs> meters. They can they can smell a hypocrite. In fact, yes. um, they yeah. have a and skill. And they'll pull you out on it. <laughs> uh, absolutely, they yes. they understand a double standard before they understand that it's yeah. called a double standard. That's it. That's it. That's very, very true. Uh, my kids do it all the time. Um, and in fact, you 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 not only have to teach them about about delayed gratification, you have to actually walk the talk. You know, and a lot of the the research that's out there around, um, you know, children who who are measured and, and can manage their their money as adults, it, a lot of it centers around the, the observation of their parents. So not so much what the parents are saying, but what the parents are actually doing, you know, when they're inter- interacting with money. So So how you behave is really, really crucial around children when it comes to money. Uh, and what do you make of what's his name? Hex. Hex's comment mm. says, "When do you start an uh, you, uh, you start an allowance when kids are wanting things you don't want to buy them, and then the best yeah. way to tell them to value the money is by not giving them enough." Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they need to learn. And if and if you do give them enough, take a portion of it in their face. They need to see you do it, so that they know. I mean, it teaches quite a number of things. Um, but I, I agree with that concept 100%. And the, and the thing that he said uh, that I absolutely love that I practice is is getting your children to spend their money. I've watched my children bawling, you know, really, really crying because, they, you know, the physical act of parting with your money, it hurts. It registers in the brain apparently as physical pain. That's what the psychologists say around, around parting with money. And I've, I've observed my children doing this whenever we give them pocket money for them to go buy stuff at, at, at these 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 cheap and, and, and nasty toy store toy stores. They don't want to do it. They're happy for me to buy them things, but they they don't want to spend their own money. So it's a, it's a very important lesson, and I couldn't agree more with Hicks around it, that. It, it's so powerful. I mean, there's a fund manager who I'm not going to name because his boss Hendrik Tutoy told me the story once about how <laughs> they would they hang out at the same place at the V&A waterfront in Cape Town, and Hendrik watched this yeah. guy whose kids were impeccably behaved. They would eat quickly and quietly, and then they would disappear into the Mm. toy shop near this particular restaurant. And Hendrik once Mm. asked this guy, he said to him, like, how do you get your kids to spend so much time while you and your wife catch mm-hmm. up and have a nice glass of wine and, and chat and your kids are happy mm-hmm. and they they like look like they're having the best time? He says, how do you do it? He says, I don't give them enough money to buy anything meaningful. And they've each got a little bit. And if they really want something, they have to collaborate. So that forces them to have a conversation and work together. And my wife and I have a great time. I mean, it's 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 like gamekeeping almost. It's, it's amazing. Um, so there's something in that, isn't there? Absolutely. And, and, you know, when you look at the high divorce rate today, Bruce, a lot of it centers around 
adults who who don't know how to have conversations with each other around money, firstly, they don't know how to manage their own personal finances, this we know, right? And then they also struggle to communicate the difficulties, the insecurities around money with each other. And I think that lesson that uh, that particular fund manager has taught his children how to collaborate with money is a lesson that adults need today. You know, adults who are, are co-sharing spaces and funds and 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 whatever it is that they spend together, that 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 would be incredible. And so many adults have come from a place of scarcity. I mean, South Africa's history is South mm-hmm. Africa's history, and people have come, mm-hmm. and you've got people who have managed to to get jobs, and they've suddenly got lots of money, and they're going, "Thank goodness, I've got income," and and then yeah. um, want to live the good life and want to be seen to be living the yeah. good life, and then um, they they team up together, and then want to keep living the good life and get into debt. Mm-hmm. And suddenly debt becomes this Absolutely. terrifying burden later on. But let's not get deviate away from the kids because we want to learn how <laughs> to uh, talk to kids about money and help the lessons stick in a non-threatening, helpful mm. and disciplined yet collaborative and constructive way. More with Gugu mm. Sidaki this evening. Gugu is a director and a wealth manager. She's part of a business called Wealth Creed and she's written um, three books called Three Piggies. It's on my3piggies.com. We're going to talk about the piggies in more detail in a moment and how you help build an understanding of money in the minds and the hearts and the understanding mm. of your kids. It'll be the most valuable lesson you ever teach them. The Money Show. Personal Finance. I think we've got to be clear, Guru Sidaki, the Director and Wealth Manager at Wealth Creed, that we're going to make mistakes. We're going to get some things wrong. But there is no greater mistake than not talking to your kids about money. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. The secrecy and the shame and the embarrassment around money is actually where the real danger is. Um, we, we need to get into the habit of opening up you know, to our children about about the money that we make, um, how we, we make the money and and everything that we need to pay for. Um, and, and children are smart. You know, they, as soon as you, 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 you bring them into the conversation and you demonstrate to them that the money that you make is, is actually for all the important things in their lives. And if there is a little bit extra, you know, you get to spoil them from time to time, they get it. But, you know, for as long as you treat them like like children that should be like how treat, children were treated back in the fifties, banished to the corner and don't talk to adults. It it just creates a really really toxic environment for children to to learn or not learn about money, and which is exactly what you don't want. Do you? I mean, I, I'm curious about this because I, I, my ten year old is insatiably curious to a point mm. where it's actually quite invasive. So, Dad, how much <laughs> you? What do you? How much do you get paid for that? And what do you get paid for that? And why do you do this? And why, and I'm like, dude, dude, my business is my business. Leave it alone. <laughs> um, you know, how do I earn enough to, like, you know, we, 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 you know, we're okay. Um, but hmm. it's it's not about the numbers, I don't think. I don't think you should no. be sharing numbers with kids. I think they, that can go into the playground and that can cause all kinds of problems in the playground. Mm. But you've got to be mm. able to reassure your kids about the state of finances. And, you know, and if mm. times are tough, be able to have the conversation where you don't panic kids about the fact that there's scarcity mm. in the house. Mm. But they do need to understand mm there isn't a magic money tree. And somehow we've got to communicate that. How do we communicate? Well, yeah, money doesn't grow on trees, which is Mm. the the 1970s version of the conversation. How do we inculcate the value in a way that kids get the value without being scared that, my goodness me, there won't be supper tomorrow? Mm -hmm. Well, Bruce, I'm actually of the opinion that you should sort of make up a number when it comes to your salary. Um, I I think you should make it up. I think you should, I don't know, come up with a number and say, you know what, for 
for the purpose of this exercise, I have 10,000 rands or, or whatever the number is, yeah. right? And I think I think walk them through the entire house and, and point out, you know, all of the things that you would need to get every month, you know? And and I think that it's, it's also an important lesson where, where they get to understand what wants and, and, and needs are. You know, and 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 sit down with them and actually write it down. What are the wants? What are the needs? We need to get bread. That's definitely a need. We need to get milk. We need to pay for electricity. All of those things. I mean, those numbers you can make up. They don't have to be exact numbers. Just remember the through- remember the numbers that you use because they will yes. come back and bite you because they will remember the number. But you said literacy costs a <laughs> <So> hundred. <true. laughs> you know? So true. Remember your lies. <laughs> so yeah, but be, yes, be consistent as well. I mean, absolutely. Yes. yes. I, I think it's important for them to know that that everything in, in their lives that they have uh, that's of value and importance really does cost money. You know, and I think they get to really understand the value of it when they see you paying for these things. But I, and I, and I completely agree with you that you shouldn't create panic because ultimately it's, it's going to create, a, a, you know, a, a psychological, it's going to have a psychological impact on them when they start to manage and look after their own money. And, and that's what you don't want. But also you don't want them to believe or think that there's an abundance of money to the point where they start to waste. And so it's, it's a fine balance. But that sense, that, that sense of pocket money, that sense of saying, okay, you want to buy sweets every Friday mm. or you want to buy sweets every mm. Tuesday, whatever, pick a day. Um, that's fine. Here yeah. is 10 bucks. You're not going to get many sweets mm-hmm. for 10 bucks nowadays, but you're going to go mm-hmm. in and you're going to choose, you want a chocolate and the chocolate costs 12. Yeah. Well, then yeah. don't have anything this week and understand that you yeah. can have it next week. Understand the principle yeah. that the stuff isn't a bottomless, there's not a sort of a, a, a big fat bucket full of cash that you can simply do mm. what you want when you want uh, and as often mm-hmm. as you want, that you can manage your money better, then you reward yourself with the treat that you truly desire. And that becomes a very valuable Absolutely. lesson. A very, very important lesson. And children are tactile. The, those lessons um, make a lot of sense when they are physically exchanging money. So that's why it's it's, it's recommended that you you have the money bank for it. I mean, it's great to have a bank account for them, but they need to see this money come in and out. And that's where the lessons are really, really learned. I mean, my kids had a cake sale at their school um, a couple of weeks ago, and my daughter had 50 rands, I think, that in, from her piggy bank. And her biggest concern was that she wasn't going to have that money after the cake uh, sale. And she really yeah. did come back with about 30 bucks because she wants to physically see it in her in her, in her her piggy bank. Do you and that for me play, tells me that she's going to be a... Is Monopoly, a, so we're, we're out of time, Google, and we'll do this again. But um, do you like Monopoly, the game, board game Monopoly? Is I do. it useful? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. We're on the same page. Let's talk about this again sometime. I don't know when, but we will. We'll meet again one sunny day. Um, Gugu Sidaki, fabulous input. Thank you for this, uh, this evening. Director and Wealth Manager. She's at Wealth Creed. It's financial planning, retirement planning, uh, business. And she's written these books, My Three Piggies. You will find the details, my3piggies.com. Um, and they're three books, the earliest possible introduction to personal finances 